Greetings and welcome to Soundography, a crash course in music, one band at a time. I'm Brian Ibbett. And I'm a man in a box. You are. Let you out of that box. Uh, now, yeah. I'm just, now I'm just with the rooster. <laughs> Boy, a lot of clues there. I don't think anyone is having a hard time figuring it out. We're talking about Alice in Chains this week. Huge, huge grunge band. Part of the, part of the Mount Rushmore of grunge. Yeah, the grunge big four. We've covered Thrash, which you survived. I am. I did. Happy barely. to say you survived the grunge big four. Uh, you <laughs> came out shiny and, and thrashy on the other end. And That's now right. we're entering yep. the grunge world. The grunge big four. Although we did do Pearl Jam. Uh, we have done Pearl Jam on the show. We've not done Nirvana or Soundgarden. Yeah. And we'll probably do Nirvana last, which means next season will be Sound or, uh, Soundgarden. Sure. Sound, soundography Garden. Yes. Uh, let's talk Alice in Chains. This was an interesting one for me because I know the popular songs really, really well. And I like those songs a lot. And then I got into these other songs. I'm like, oh, okay. It's a little, there's parts of this that's a little droney vocal wise, but there's parts of it I really liked. I don't want to, you know, I'm, I'm not going to mince words. Uh, so if you're a huge fan of uh, Alice in Chains, I'm not going to, I'm not going to rip on them a lot, but. Um, a lot. I did, a lot. <laughs> I'm really not going to rip on them at all. He, he won't go but, slayer uh, but, on them, but he's not going to say oh all God, that no. nice things. Yeah, exactly. I won't go Hammond level 42 on these guys, but. Uh, <laughs> See, the thing about that was I was actually more quiet. That was an episode where we got done and you actually asked me if I was okay. Cause I was so quiet during the episode because mom That's taught right. me if I yeah. couldn't say anything nice, I shouldn't say anything at all. <laughs> she taught you very well. <laughs> Except in podcasting, people want to hear the warts at all. <laughs> so I'll have some warts later. Let's start with, uh, well, let's start with Lane Staley. Uh, li- initially Lane Staley was a drummer. He got his first job as a singer in a glam band called Sleaze. After some lineup changes in Sleaze, a conversation was held, the results of which resulted in a brand new band name, Alice in Chains. Jerry Cantrell met Lane Staley, and they ended up moving in together at the rehearsal studio. And after fine-tuning the lineup and how the name was presented from Alice in Chains, kind of like Guns and Roses, uh, switched to Alice in Chains. Lane Staley, Jerry Cantrell, Mike Starr, and Sean Kinney settled in to, for, uh, to record their first demo. In July 1990, they released their first EP called We Die Young. The single of the title track was a hit on rock radio. And they followed that up with Facelift, uh, also released that year, peaked at number 42. It wasn't an instant hit. It sold about 400,000 copies. But once MTV started showing Man in the Box, that single reached 18 on the rock charts and the album started selling. By fall of 1991, the album was certified gold. It was the first of the Seattle bands to hit gold. 
Interesting. That surprises me. I would have thought that uh, Nirvana or, or Pearl Jam would have hit before uh, Alice in Chains. That's cool. This band uh, opened up for Iggy Pop, Van Halen, Poison, and Extreme. My <laughs> gosh, 1991 was a weird year. Yeah, it was. I don't know who's <laughs> listening to these guys and saying, oh, yeah, good fit for uh, Van Halen. I mean, was this, so 91, this would have been Sammy Hagar, Van yes, Halen? uh-huh, yeah. Yeah. And uh, and poison, yeah. Well, okay, all right. Uh, since its release, this band, this album has been certified triple platinum. Live facelift was released on home video. It was a recording of a show from December of 1990 in Seattle. Although some people accidentally picked it up thinking it was a medical uh, documentary. <laughs> in August of 1991, they joined the Clash of the Titans tour with Anthrax, Megadeth, and Slayer. This got Alice in Chains uh, in front of a metal audience. But they were not well received by that metal audience at first. No, I, I, knowing those bands, the, the, the combination of those does not feel like it would be good for fans of either. <laughs> well, cause so what the thing is, is cause the, the thrash bands, they're all mm-hmm. about notes per second and right. even virtuosity and complicated and music and volume and, and volume. Yeah. And these guys are all about down tuning and, you know, more wordplay and and more pensive playing. And it wasn't quite about the pyrotechnics. And so they came across probably as kind of boring. Yeah, probably. Like, oh man, give us some, so, do you do anything fast? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, Facelift was nominated for a Grammy, but it lost to Van Halen. At least it wasn't Jethro Tull. Oh God, yeah, no kidding. In early 1992, they released the SAP EP. It featured uh, Jerry Cantrell on vocals, a guest appearance from Ann Wilson of Heart, also a Seattler, along with Mark Arm of Mudhoney and Chris Cornell of Soundgarden. But it's so hard to penetrate big, big skin. I'm out with little wheels I can that's the one thing that uh, that kind of we talked a little bit with Pearl Jam, and that's the fact that all these guys were friends and played with each other and and showed up on each other's albums. I mean, Temple of the Dog yeah. is like a, a greatest. It's like a super group of grunge bands. It really is. Yeah. I mean, it really is a super group of grunge bands. Yeah. yeah. Let's talk about the movie singles, the soundtrack. One of my favorite soundtracks, by the way. Alice in Chains appeared on that album. Wood was one of the best songs on that soundtrack. Say what you will, but Wood actually is an amazing piece of music. Oh, it absolutely is. You're not going to get any argument from me. The Smashing Pumpkins song that's on there is Drown. And I really like that one up until the entire last 90 seconds of the song, because then it turns into all guitar feedback. But prior to that, I love that song and uh, I love that soundtrack. I'm going to say something maybe controversial. I don't like Smashing Pumpkins. That's fine. Okay. All right. Thank you for, thank you for accepting me and my difference. Oh well, I don't like all Smashing Pumpkins either. I'm I I am absolute. I'd probably be considered a Fairweather fan of Smashing Pumpkins too, because 
there's a few songs that I really like. And then I pick up the album. I'm like, oh yeah, I really just like those songs that were on the radio. <laughs> That's the way I felt about their, uh, Tears for Fears. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh. Where it was bum- the stuff I yeah. really liked, I liked. And then everything else was just, wow, I really like that other stuff. Just, just noise. Interesting. Yeah. By the way, that song would... Uh, would go on to win the best video from a film award at the MTV Music Awards. Well-deserved. 1992, they released the album Dirt. As writing began, the themes of the album were darker. Six of the 13 songs were about addiction. Uh, this is my favorite album of theirs. and uh, This is a really good one. It's a, yeah. I love the album cover. There's something really hypnotic about it and kind of mm-hmm. creepy, but I really, really like it. It's like the, the, it's like something out of a horror movie. It really is. Yeah. And I want to say that my copy of the album, no, I take that back. It was uh, the one after this. It was the self-titled album. Came in a purple jewel case. Wasn't a completely transparent, clear jewel case, but we can talk about that one uh, when we get to that album. But yeah, that is a that, that is one that you you keep looking at and seeing new things and dirt. Uh, This album peaked at number six on the album charts. It was called a masterpiece by reviewers. It would end up having five singles. The aforementioned Wood, Rooster, Them Bones, Angry Chair, and Down in a Hole. This album was on the chart for almost two years. Not surprised. Uh, Ozzy, more more crossover metal, brought them in to open for his No More Tours tour. That's clever. No More Tours. (laughs) Which is actually really funny because he also brought Metallica out when they were a brand new band on their second album tour. And he Hmm. seems to really like putting new bands in front of audiences to let them you know, learn to appreciate. Which is great. I mean, that's talk, talk about having great power and using it with great responsibility. Yeah, it is. I mean, <laughs> God bless Ozzy Osbourne. For sure. Uh, it was at this point that Starr left the band reportedly to spend more time at home, but later he said it was due to addiction. So those themes on this album are totally, totally related. Yeah, Mike Inez was pulled in as his replacement. Uh, they recorded What the Hell Have I and A Little Bitter, for the F. Murray Abraham uh, action classic, last action hero. I like that that's the F. Murray Abraham action classic. <laughs> what do you have against Murray, a- Murray Abraham that you have to F him, huh? F. Murray Abraham. You know, I just have one thing to say, F. Murray Abraham. <laughs> yeah, when I wrote that, I'm like, okay, well, how can I make this funny? And that's- Really, it should be F. Last action hero. <laughs> uh, Allison Chains then went out on tour with Lollapalooza. This was the last major tour that they had with Staley. Oh, that's sad. Uh, 1994, they released the Jar of Flies EP. This was the result of the band going into the studio with some acoustic guitars and seeing what happens. And I really, really like this EP. It was written and recorded in a week, and it debuted at number one on the charts. No Excuses was their first number one single. Of that, uh, that that's a that's a great song, and I'll talk about it a little bit later on. But maybe not the version you're thinking I'm going to talk about. Two more singles followed: "I Stay Away" and "Don't Follow." Both of those also charted pretty well, and it was certified triple platinum within its first year.
And after this release of Jar of Flies, uh, Lane Staley entered rehab. More addiction issues with these guys. Uh, after rehab, Staley worked in the supergroup Mad Season. I've forgotten about them. Talking about another another great uh, grunge supergroup. They released an album and had two singles. Yeah, it was Mike Creedy from Pearl Jam, John Baker Saunders from The Walkabouts, Barrett Martin from The Screaming Trees, and uh, Staley from uh, Alice in Chains. Wow. What a lineup. That's cool. In 1995, they released that aforementioned self-titled album, Alice in Chains. This is the one that, for me, came uh, arrived on a uh, clear purple, with a clear purple jewel case, which is really odd. Uh, I hadn't, don't think I'd seen anything but clear jewel cases to that point. I, have a, Early I, in, I got a, it, Mushroom Head released one, one of their remix albums in yellow. Oh, really? Uh-huh. Interesting. Yeah, that's wild. Oh, CDs. Remember CDs? Uh, earlier in the recording of this album, a rough version of Grind was leaked. Soon after, a full studio recording was released just to stem the, staring, the sharing of the unfinished version. Nineteen ninety-five, right in the middle of Napsterland. Yep, it is. Yeah. Uh, that album was released in entirety in November of nineteen ninety-five. There were four singles from the album: "Grind," "Again," "Over Now," and "Heaven Beside You." These are uh, three of these are feature are featured uh, Jerry Cantrell on vocals. Yeah, not um, yeah. Talk about a, a difference, but not a stark difference. The Nona tapes released in December of 1995. This is a mockumentary with Jerry as Nona Weedbaum interviewing the band in the video for Grind. Got Me Wrong found life three years after it was released on SAP. It was on the soundtrack to Clerks and it reached number seven on the rock charts. You know, I've never seen Clerks. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah, you should. It's, uh, it is so, it feels every low budget dollar that they didn't spend on it. <laughs> But it's a really good study in local guy makes good, you know, feel, believes in in this so much that uh, um, he's able to fund it and turn out something that's that writing wise is really, really good. Mm. MTV Unplugged 1996. This was their first concert in over two years. They added a second guitar player, Scott Olson, for this show. And this is... In my opinion, one of the best unplugged albums, hearing all the songs so stripped down it really makes the vocals shine through on it. Yeah. It's really, really yep, good. Yep, yep. Um, and this was, you know, the first unplugged, by the way, let me remind you, was a little band named Squeeze, but didn't ever get released as an album, unfortunately. But uh, the first Squeeze, the first unplugged, MTV Unplugged, was with the band Squeeze is an interesting bit of trivia. The release of this concert reached number three on the charts, and they performed a couple times opening for Kiss. They just really could not find a good, <laughs> okay, uh, uh, the right combination. Lollapalooza was a good fit. It was a very good fit, but that was a whole, that was a, that was a, um, 
a festival. Yeah, they could have they could have done the warp tour. Uh, there are lots of things they could have done, but it seems like they never got any of that. No, but I'd say of of all of the, yeah, Kiss isn't a good fit either. I was gonna say, how does it compare to? Anthrax, Van Halen, and Megadeth. Kisses actually works because they're more bombastic and more materialistic and more glammy and more they're, about they're the super show. Glam. Yeah, they're super glam, but they're almost a novelty act. Almost. Well, in 1995, they hadn't put the makeup back on yet. So they were still... Oh, they were. They were still in their honest phase. Yeah, yeah that's true. And it wasn't until 96 they put the makeup back on. All right. Okay. So the makeup yeah. made them novelty again. This is this is still when they're trying too hard. Maybe, yeah. All right, you've 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 turned me around. <laughs> uh, on July third, nineteen ninety six, after the show, Staley was found unresponsive in his hotel room after an overdose of heroin. Although he was able to recover, the band was forced to go on hiatus for a while. Yeah, not surprised. While, on the, while they were on the break, uh, Cantrell released a solo album called Boggy Depot. And in October of 1998, Alice in Chains recorded Get Born Again and Died. These were added to the 1999 box set called Music Bank. A live compilation album and a hits album were released in 2000 and 2001, respectively. And Staley joined supergroup Class of 99 to record a cover of Another Brick in the Wall for the Faculty soundtrack. Another the, great soundtrack piece with, yeah. uh, uh, with these guys. The Class of 99 was Tom Morello, Martin Le, uh, Lenoble, Stephen Perkins, and Matt Serlick, Sir, Serletic. Gotcha. Good. Uh, another, uh, well, I, uh, Tom Morello, great. Great collaborator. I don't know where these other guys are from. Are they also from like Rage or or other they're, bands? They're other they're other notable bands. Yeah, I can't gotcha. pick the names okay. right off the top of my head, but they're all part of something. Morello cool. actually is foreshadowing for later this season. Oh, I can't wait. I know. I know what you're foreshadowing to. Uh, the other members continue to work on other projects. Kencho released his second solo album during this hiatus. In April of 2002, Lane Staley was found dead in, uh, actually technically on the 19th, but the autopsy revealed that he had died on the 5th, two weeks until his body was discovered. Oof. Uh, the remaining members of Allison Chains went on their separate ways. In October of 2004, their contract with Sony was terminated. In 2005, Sean Kinney got the band back together for a concert to benefit the tsunami disaster. Pat Lockman from Damage Plan joined them as vocalist. Sony released the essential Alice in Change. This was a 28-song double album. William Duvall started singing Staley's parts, and he joined for the reunion tour in 2006. The next year, in 2007, at the VH1 Rock Honors, Alice in Chains performed Hearts Barracuda, fronted by Gretchen Wilson. What a great combo. And in November of that year, they performed with the Northwest Symphony for a cover of Cashmere. It's That's funny. Cool uh, didn't Sir Mix-a-Lot perform with the Northwest Symphony too? 
Did he really? I think so. I think that when we covered him, I think we talked about the fact that he played. Oh, with the, it sounds really familiar. Yeah. Had that woman get up on stage like she'd been living for the baby got back moment. That's right. Yes. Now I remember talking about that. Totally. Uh, in October of 2008, Allison Chains entered the studio for a new album. And the next year they released Black Gives Way to Blue. Actually, uh, thought this was pretty good. Uh, the album appeared on Amazon without any prior notification from the band. Oh, and Elton John joined them on the title track. What a what a what a great combo there! Yeah, See, I love it, that. That's a good, like a surprise thing like that is really cool. But forcing us on a tour to to listen to either a, a headliner or an opening act that is completely unrelated is is uh, nuts. Yeah, a looking in view and check my brain were released into the wild, and to promote the album, they did a press interview in Kiss makeup. There you go. There's another Kiss connection. This album debuted at number five, and for it, they toured with Mastodon and the Deftones. Good combos right there. Okay, so the Deftones works for me, but Mastodon is basically an angry, they're an angry dream theater. (laughs) They're a straight-up prog band that just happens to play heavier. They're a nightmare theater is what you're saying. Yeah, they really are. The nightmare cinema. (laughs) Right. Uh, a couple of years later, in March of 2011, Mike Starr was found dead in his home. He had been living in Salt Lake, and I actually remember remembered when this happened. It kind of was a big deal. Yeah, no kidding. That's that talk about a band that's that's suffering. This is like uh, the zombies, or who was it? Was it the zombies? Yeah, that the had zombies just kept coming back. Crap thing after crap thing. So well, so do these guys. In 2013, they released "The Devil Put Dinosaurs Here." That's a great title. "Hollow" was the first single. I really like this album. So Jar of Flies and this album were were top of the top of the list for me. The uh, public liked it too. This album debuted at number two on the charts and an iOS game called Pinball Rocks HD featured the song Hollow. The other single Stone reached number one on the rock charts. I don't think I've ever played that Pinball Rocks game. I'll have to look it up. In 2018, they released Rainier Fog, named after the mountain mountains or the mountain. Uh, this one contained the singles The One You Know, So Far Under, and Never Fade. Debuted at number 12 on the top 200, and this became their first UK top 10 album. So that's it for Allison Chains. What are some statistics and general notes for the band? Okay, so 14 million in the U.S. have sold, uh, 14 million units were sold in the U.S. and 30 million worldwide. Wow. 23 top 40 singles, two number one albums, 11 Grammy nominations. Uh, they were number 43 on VH1's 100 Greatest Rock Bands of, or Hard Rock Bands of All Time. Elton John was a huge fan. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, Probably helped helped uh, help them land him for a uh, vocal gig on yeah. uh, Black Gives Way to Blue. Yeah. The band Godsmack was named after a song from Dirt. Oh, that's cool. And uh, Metallica said that Alice in Chains was a major inspiration for their Death Magnetic album. And Metallica really, really liked them, like a lot. That's 
You'd think that uh, those guys would have toured together. I, I feel like of all the thrash, Metallica would probably be the best combo yeah. to, with Alice and Chains. It's they took the cult out on tour for a uh, while. With uh, Metallica back, did or Alice and Chains? No, did. Metallica did back in back in the nineties. They took the cult out on tour, which at first kind of surprised me, but then I got more familiar with the cult. I'm like, oh yeah, totally see how yeah. that happened. That's a, that seems like a good uh, com, uh, combination as well. Uh, all right, so let's say you see uh, Allison Chains out on tour in concert. What song are they they going to play? Right, like their last their last uh, uh, song before the encores, or maybe even one of the encores. What is their Stairway to Heaven song? So my list includes Man in the Box, Rooster, and We Die Young. However, mm-hmm. my pick is Wood, and I don't see how that couldn't be. I agree. I'd, I'd throw uh, no excuses in there too as another popular one, but yeah, it has to be wood. Um, pulling up setlist.fm, and surprisingly, uh, Man in the Box is Uh-oh. number one. Wow. Uh, followed closely by Wood uh, with about 25 fewer performances in concert. Then We Die Young, Them Bones, Rooster, Damn That River, Again, It Ain't Like That, No Excuses, number nine, Check My Brain. Yeah, uh, Man in the Box, the big the big one there. What's their most common uh, cover in concert? It is all the way down, number uh, 58 on the list, Squeeze Box by The Who. That's a great one. Oh, yeah. Interesting. Yeah. I almost want to change my cover uh, <laughs> suggestion. <laughs> no, I'm not going to do that. But let's get to that. This is where we pick songs that we would like to hear the band cover in their heyday. So, you know, you could say with, with Staley or Cantrell on vocals, whichever version you want. Um, my pick is Cinnamon Girl by Neil Young. This one uh, came up, so I was listening to all the Alice in Chain stuff, and I think I might have accidentally selected an album without. Oh no! It, yeah, when you select an album in Apple Music, if you've got the the settings on for just keep the music playing, then after the last song, it'll start playing other songs that are kind of from other bands like them. And Led Zeppelin came up a lot when I did that. Nirvana, of course, Pearl Jam. But a few songs in, uh, Neil Young's "This One's for You" came on. And I'm like, oh, Neil Young. Oh, what song would be cool by Neil Young? And Cinnamon Girl felt like the perfect fit. Like you could have have a really grungy cover of Cinnamon Girl by um, by Alice in Chains. And as soon as I started imagining it, right, I'm thinking, oh, what would that sound like? I started feeling like, wait a minute, have I heard this? I might have heard this. And so I did a search online to see if it actually was something that I that existed that I'd heard. Uh, fortunately, no. There's, there's no Cinnamon Girl by uh, Alice in Chains. So I'm going to take your Cinnamon Girl by Neil Young and give you one more obvious. Ready? Okay. All right. Needle and the Damage Done. Yeah, I, I, that is a, that's a great one, especially with all of their addiction mm-hmm. connections. That would be that would be a good one. I mean, you know, technically these guys could probably do a really cool Neil Young cover album, tribute album, yeah, just yeah. all of themselves. That's a good one, Neil Damage Done. Good suggestion. 
All right. What's yours, Hammond? All right. So I'm going to ask you some questions and your answer yes or no. Okay. Okay. Allison changes the band who kind of works in lower tempo, mid tempo kind of rock. Yes or no? Yes. For sure. Yes. Uh, They like to do things that uh, kind of bring out their harmonies and some of the, they pay more attention to the lyrics than they do like the musical prowess. I'd agree with that as well. Okay. So the reason I'm saying those things is because the perfect song for that would be Eye in the Sky by Alan Parsons. To hear their grunge (laughs) metal harmonized kind of almost dirgy tempo version of this could be really quite eye-opening and really put a focus on kind of the paranoia that maybe that song might have in its lyrics. Oh, it's a great one. That is really good. It would be funny to funny to hear that, but but they would do it straight. So it'd be it yeah. wouldn't be it wouldn't be the novelty. It would be something kind of dirty and maybe even kind of scary. I mean, don't say words you're going to regret. You know, there's a lot of things in there that kind of live up to that kind of almost grunge mentality that they have. Yeah, <laughs> that's great. Very good. Let's get to our playlist. This is where we pick a few songs that would go well with, uh, paired with, like the appetizer, paired with the main course of a uh, Alice in Chains Greatest Hits album or the Sony Essentials album or something along those lines. Here are our choices. Number one is, uh, or my choices anyway, Take Her Out. from the Black Gives Way album. What I really liked about this is that it's somewhat melodic, which isn't one of their trademarks initially, but has a really, really good chord structure right from the get-go. It's, you know, I don't want to say that they're not a melodic band, because they are, and and but there's, their type of melody tends to stick in one color palette, and I feel like Take Her Out expanded that color palette quite a bit. Sea of Sorrow from Facelift, this one grew on me on the second listen. And it's kind of indicative of the whole Alice in Chains sound for me. If you're looking for the elevator pitch of Alice in Chains, Sea of Sorrow is a good a good example, a good non-hit example. Got me wrong. So this is the version I like was from the Unplugged album. This is, uh, listen, no excuses from that Unplugged album would have been a, a, a pull, but I think even the Unplugged version was released as a single, so I don't didn't think I could use that. But Got Me Wrong is so, so good. And it's just such a, a great example of how the songs get new life with that Unplugged format. can't think of a band that I wouldn't want to hear do an unplugged album with their hits. I don't know if it's, an, it's, it's I don't know if it's something where it's something I wouldn't want to hear them do it, but I'm not sure that there are certain bands that could do it. 
Well, there are a few that couldn't, right? That, like, that you know, Daft Punk really couldn't do an unplugged album or Underworld. Uh, Underworld could do an unplugged album of their original stuff. <laughs> their, yeah, their first their first couple albums, sure. First but I was even think like Daft yeah. Punk, there might be a way that they could do it because they could bring in people to help supplement with acoustic sure. instruments some like of the a, things they're trying like to do. Like a xylophone would be really yeah. cool to replace and, some of the electronics and hammer, stuff. Yeah. Hammer dulcimers or... Bobby, Bobby McFerrin could not do an unplugged album. No. <laughs> I, but it'd be funny because like I keep the Daft Punk things got me thinking now they could bring in the Blue Man group and they could bring in, uh, you know. <laughs> oh, yeah. With some really weird instruments. Yeah. Oh, that would be cool. Yeah. There's ways that the Daft Punk could pull it off. But and I think it actually might be a visual extravaganza if they did. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, not anymore. Those guys are those guys uh, just couldn't stand working, looking at each other, not looking at each other's faces anymore. Yep, that's true. <laughs> Nutshell from the Jar of Flies EP is my next one. This one reminds me a little bit of uh, Going to California by Led Zeppelin. It's just got a really good solid groove. The track that follows it called I Stay Away. I, I like that one too. It was a real toss up trying to decide which one I was going to put in my list. You know, you could almost say the pair of those songs, one after the other, is a good, is a good part of my list. And finally, voices from uh, Dinosaurs. this whole album but voices was the standout track for me on this album just really exemplifies why i like that album how about you what you got great so i picked uh don't follow from jar of flies It's such a change of pace from kind of what they normally do. And when I first heard it, I loved it. But then when the harmonies kick in, they're so awesome. And then they throw a harmonica in on top to say, hey, Hammond, this song's for you. <laughs> right, it was like they're catering, uh, pandering right to your... Yeah, your, it was. It felt yeah. a little pandering yeah. right to me, but I'm okay yeah. with it. Uh, so then I picked Sunshine from their self-titled album. And I really, really love the arrangement. The voice on this is super haunting and it cuts right through the music and kind of establish itself as the thing you have to pay attention to. Even though the music is right there supporting it, the the lyrics and the voice really stand out and kind of grab you and make you pay attention. Uh, number three is uh, Rain When I Die from Dirt.
This out this song is so disharmonic, but it's a great mix of what grunge and metal could be. And you can also kind of see why Metallica liked them by listening to this, because this kind of does, it's the slowed down, not the technical wah-wah pedal of what Metallica could have been. I picked number four was Hate to Feel from Dirt. The opening harmonics and the descending line come across like a depressing old maiden. Uh, and it, <laughs> <Great description. laughs> this shows that they really actually did know what they were doing musically. They just chose not to put it on the forefront, on the front burner and up there where everybody could kind of be in, be talking about that. Instead, they're talking about them as a band instead of how great the guitar player was or the, you know, the virtuosic musicality of the them as an individual, they're focusing them as a band. But this song really does feature the fact they actually do know what they're doing musically. Uh, Frogs from the self-titled album, the guitar work on this really, really is killer on this. And that's, that. I kept coming back to it just going, wow, this is really, really good. Like this is a great guitar song. And you don't think of grunge as like guitar rock. You don't hear grunge they, songs on Guitar Hero so very often. This could be. Did they do? I can't remember. Yeah. Did they do Frogs on uh, Unplugged? Because that that seems like a really good one to showcase. I think they might have. Yeah. I think they might have. But anyway, and then my I picked a bonus one, and it's a hit, but it's not a hit from the. It's not a hit from the regular album. It's a hit from the Unplugged album, and that's Angry Chair. And the acoustic version of this uh, shows that, you know, an acoustic guitar and the right type of vocal can still be super doomy and super heavy. And just because it's not plugged in, going through a bunch of distortion pedals and Marshall stacks doesn't mean it still can't be a heavy, grungy Yeah, and you know that uh, we're talking about like bands that couldn't do an unplugged. This showcases, unplugged really showcases when a band has amazing talent that isn't covered up by studio tricks and excessive fuzz box and echo vocals and reverb and stuff like that. So that's probably like what that definition is, right? Like what bands can't do uh, an unplugged, couldn't do an unplugged album, bad bands couldn't do it. Yeah, exactly. Lots of the, lots of those kind of pop stars of today that have a lot of effects on vocals and, you know, do things that are, more tricky than yeah. they are musical. They'd have a really hard time. Excellent. With oh, this format. was good. This was uh see, and I didn't, I didn't rip on Alice in Chains at all. I think I just did in the intro when I said they're a little droney vocal wise, but, uh, and now I said it again. So there you go. We bookended with, with, but the thing is, is, but the thing is, is I think that they set the droney up so that when they aren't droney, that stuff sounds, stands yeah. out even you know more. Yeah, totally. Does. So, so it's kind of like when you're doing the, the, harsh vocals in the chorus or in the verse, and then they come out and sing, you know, Bruce Dickinson style in the, in the, in the mm-hmm. chorus, 
that cram it together, it makes one sound harder and the other sound more, you know, clear and amazing. So I think they just put the droney out there to counteract and to contradict the stuff. Probably. Yeah. And and makes you appreciate more. No, I get that. Makes sense. And I agree. All right. Well, cool. That wraps up Allison Chains. Let's go to next week. What's next week, Hammond? Surf rock. Uh, Yeah. I can't wait for that because that's a... That is a a style that that had its initial popularity right in the fifties and sixties, but then has come back so many times with so many different things that it's going to be fun to see the the course that surf rock has uh, taken over the years. Oh, I thought we were just covering songs from Teen Beach Movie One. Well, and we two. could do that too. Pass me the sunscreen was my favorite one of those songs. That means that that means that my that means that Sydney would finally listen to an episode. Of <laughs> really? Okay. <laughs> nice. Uh, surf rock on the next episode of Soundography. Between now and then, you can do several things. If you want to get in touch with us, you can email us soundographypodcast at gmail.com is the email address. Uh, you can also follow us on Twitter and check out our updates there. We are at the Soundography. Uh, of course, soundography.com, our website. Everything else you need is going to be right there, including all of our past episodes, the show notes of which contain all the goodies you could possibly want. We've got our our playlists there in Spotify. We've got a link to where you can buy uh, songs from from the artist. And I think I'll link to, oh man, do I link to the Unplugged album? That'd be a good one. Or... Either that or either that or the essentials. Essentials, essentials is probably a good, good one, right? Yeah, let's do that. Um, and of yeah. course, a way to support the show on Patreon. We've got so many goodies getting sent out to you guys and also bonus shows that you can hear. Uh, all of this is part of our Patreon. And I just got, Hammond can vouch, that I just got one of the items for the next Patreon box. And it's so damn cool. That, uh, and they're really they on really point. Are. Yeah, On point. I see what you did there. Well done. Well done. That one almost slipped by me. Like it, it, it was, it had one leg out the door before I grabbed the doorknob and said, Whoa, come back here. Uh, also, if you love the show, let's see, go ahead. I was going to say, see, not everything I say is uh, super <laughs> obvious and low hanging dad joke fruit. <laughs> yeah. Uh, this is so true. By the way, if you love the show, leave a review somewhere where other people can see it. Uh, of course, places like iTunes, Stitcher, a Spotify, bathroom walls. Uh, don't leave them on bathroom walls. We're not going to encourage that kind of behavior. But uh, that's that's uh, what we like to see. Well, let me rephrase that. We don't like to see bathroom walls. I don't want to end the show by telling people that I like going into a bathroom and seeing the walls. We like to see your good reviews in places where reviews are okay to be left. Okay? Are we, are we clear? I'm not going to say anything more on that subject. So is there a website called bathroomwalls.com and people can just scroll oh, things Oh, if there isn't, there? there should be. And it's called, yeah, yeah, it's called Reddit. (laughs) 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 All right. And on that note, uh, that's going to do it. On behalf of Hammond Chamberlain, this is Brandon Bitsang. Thanks for listening. We'll see you right here next time on Soundography. Frog Pants Network. 
Get more at frogpants.com. <laughs>